easier for me than going out in the windy cold day. Yeah, exactly. But you ran, so we're crazy like that, right? And yeah, <laughs> we'll right. do a little bit, but we will run. Well, welcome to the podcast today, uh, Kayla Alois. How are you today? It I'm is, doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Gonna run in. I'm out of the cold and the wind, and I'm all right. And we're doing, and well. I uh, back in December, I talked with Emily Pounds. She was on here talking, and we were talking about her marathon. Uh, what is it? St. George Marathon. Mm-hmm. How well that went for her. And she did contribute a lot of that to you and your nutrition help. But uh, that's that's how I got to find out about you. I didn't know, hadn't heard of you before. Oh, well, good. Yeah, no, and Emily's too kind. Most of her training and success was her, but she will probably try and give me the credit. So, um, but no, she did great. Well, I was actually her run coach throughout that. Oh, yes. She tried to give me a lot of the credit and you a lot of the credit. (laughs) And I I do. I mean, I'm sure we helped guide her in the right direction. I guess that would be the best way to say it. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what I, so I just thought, on here and talk to you a little bit about uh, uh, well, nutrition, running, and well, whatever else you'd like to talk about. But uh, I just thought we'd start. Tell us a little bit about Kayla the runner. Oh, Kayla the runner. All right. Yeah. I have um, run for ever since I was like a junior in high school. Um, took it up and then I ended up going to state both years in high school. And then I um, ran for YSU in college. And um, then after college, just kind of kept it up. So run with a group of friends um, in the Youngstown area and do any of the local races. I've been marathoning. I think my first marathon was a couple of years after about like the year I got out of college. Um, and I want to say I should probably keep track. Maybe I've done five marathons. So, um, yeah, my your... go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, what was your first one? My first one was Canton. So what year also, was that? That was what year was that? I'm really bad with years. I mean, <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, I, I, I had to do this. We thought I was thinking about this one day because I was talking to somebody else and then I forget even what year it was. But I mean, it was probably 10 years ago. So I don't know, like oh. 2013. I've done, I've done Canton like three times, but uh, I think the first time was 17 okay well I've also done it three times so (laughs) yeah over the years it's been um it's a nice one I just I like local I like being able to drive there in the morning I like you know keeping things close um just because there's more variables you can control but I need to start this year I'm doing Boston finally um so that's going to be one out of my comfort zone just because of you know you can't control a lot of variables on the the morning of a race like that but where did you qualify for Boston at? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, Akron, yeah, I've qualified <laughs> for Boston every time I've run a marathon. I've qualified for Boston. I've gotten three three hundred one is my magic number. I've gotten that three times. Then I got a three hundred two and a three hundred four. So I've 
just, um, I registered for Boston one year and then I actually ended up becoming pregnant with my son. And so I didn't go that year, several years back. And then it's just been on my list and haven't gotten there. So finally I'm committed to it, but yeah, I, I qualified at Akron is where I qualified. Uh, so you've done Akron, Canton. Was, it, was there anywhere else? I'm just seeing if you got. Yeah. Which other one did I do? Akron, Canton, Akron twice, Canton three times. I think that's what I've done. Hmm. Um, Those I are know. the easiest of marathons, actually. Uh, Canton's not too bad of a course, but every year I ran it, it got up to 80 degrees. Yeah. And... Odd and there's a lot of turns. I mean, that's the worst part yeah. of it. There, I think the one year, you know, it was like something like 55 turns with two like completely 180 turns. So, or the hairpin turns or whatever they call them. So, yeah. In oh, Columbus Arizona? once too. I'm sorry. I did the Columbus Marathon once. That's the one I was forgetting about. Oh, I, I love Columbus. I've been there three times now, once for the half place yeah. marathon. And yeah. Akron's a tough marathon. I, if I remember right, because it's got some hills. I haven't oh, yeah. <laughs> it does. It's a tough one for sure. It really, uh, it really, it was a tough, tough marathon. Do you, uh, do you get up here to when you're in Columbiana? Uh, I mean, I do a, some running at Mill Creek Park, so I guess that could running enough hills there would probably get you ready for it. Yes, you just have to go to the right side of the park. <laughs> <laughs> If you're really just sticking over to the wrong side, then you don't get the hills that you need. But yeah, I mean, it's, you definitely just got to go the, I mean, when you, when you start doing long runs, you end up going on both sides of the park and then that's where you can get those hills in. So yeah, we're fortunate to have those hills and, um, Columbiana has its, its choice hills. You know, I can get some hills around where I live, but not quite as many. Well, we know what your plans are for the next couple of months. Uh, yeah. getting ready for Boston. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, how old's your son? I have two. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Oh, you're busy there. And you run yeah. your own business. Yeah. All right. Well, what got you, what got you into the nutrition side of it? Um, Like one of your qualifications as a nutritionist? Did you, yeah. What, I'm sorry, what's the name of your uh, company again? My company is KA Wellness and Nutrition. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. And um, yeah, I got into it back and at YSU, went for nutrition, kind of wasn't the typical route, but I always loved to cook and nutrition was a passion of mine. So um, yeah, I've been a registered dietitian for almost 12 years. I've worked in, you know, the nursing home rehab kind of where I first fell into. And then you kind of make your way through the hospital. Then I worked in oncology and outpatient for um, a while. And I saw a lot of people sick with cancer and with um, helping them through that process was very, um, it was, it was really cool to see, you know, that side of things and help them. But it was also like, I want to make sure that people cannot get there. And um, so there is a lot of you know, ties to what we eat and, and cancer and that, and any kind of chronic illness, honestly. So got into doing my own thing a couple of years ago and, um, also just being a runner, being, you know, like kind of getting into the side of like how you know exercise, nutrition, wellness in general is just so important. And I don't think that there's enough people out there to point people in the right direction. So been doing that on my own. I have an office in Columbiana 
Um, and then I also work on my, my, an office in Salem. My, my sister's a doctor as well. So we work kind of together there. So that's, that's what we've been, that's what I've been doing. And I've had the, you know, the um, opportunity to work with some runners. I'd love to do more just because I think there's so much value and nutrition in the running scope. But I also know a lot of people are like, well, I, I, you know, I can kind of eat whatever I want when I run. And so there's a lot of that. Um, but as we get older, I think we start noticing, oh, maybe that's not the case so much anymore. So, or younger, I mean, but I think there's a lot to, to learn and know about it in the scope of running. So you, I mean, your clientele, you probably have a wide mixture of people or? I do. I do. I probably need to start like getting some, um, maybe determining what I like the best and moving forward with that. But no, I do have a wide mixture. I mean, I'm, I, I do really like working with, um, like I said, I mean, the preventative wellness, people are just trying to be, be healthy, but you know, if somebody has diabetes, I'll be working with them to, um, to manage that gut health is so important in, in regards to any chronic disease. So I dive into that a lot and in regards to metabolic health or hormonal health. Um, so yeah, a wide variety. And oftentimes we hit several boxes um, of those for, for people, even for runners, you know, some runners of gut issues or some runners of oh, yeah. um, hormonal issues. So yeah, that can overlap. When, do you got like a certain program? I mean, how do you get a client to stick to a program or how do you help them uh, follow it? Or Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, depending on the clients, um, their desires, you know, we'll do one-on-one um, appointments um, virtually or in person. But yeah, we, some people want a program. So like I can offer, um, like, you know, if I know let's just say I get a runner who comes in and it's like, okay, I have a, a time I'm training for this marathon. I have this, this goal. Okay. We'll kind of break down what that looks like in regards to how that nutrition may change through each phase of training, um, or what those priorities are through that. But, you know, I do always like to start with also like health, any health issues that they may be dealing with along with that, just to make sure those are taken care of as well. But, you know, if somebody comes to me with a weight loss desire and going through a program, I have some different opportunities there through like various challenges that I, I go um, through, um, like we're just starting a weight loss challenge this, this last week. Um, and it's a six week program and I have several people involved in that. And that's kind of like a hands-off type program. Um, but then I might have somebody who we have to meet once a week for, um, trying to get, yeah, the, them to make numerous health changes. So I guess that, I don't know if that answered your question, but it looks different, um, person to person, but I'm definitely flexible in, in what, just trying to determine what this the person needs the most, if it's accountability, if it's tracking or what it might be. Yeah, I think a lot of people just need that accountability and maybe tracking. Oh, as a thing, would you have them tracking like uh, calories or total or macros or, mm-hmm. or, or both? Yeah, mac- <laughs> macros is what I like. Um, I think gone are the days where calorie counting works because what we're seeing is that just having a set number of calories um, is not really, it's very vague. So our, we're learning that our bodies actually fuel off of different sources better. Um, 
as Americans, we really do tend to eat a pretty high carb diet because so many easy, convenient foods are shelf stable. And, and a lot of those tend to be like carbohydrate based foods. And then your proteins um, are much harder to get because you can only put so much, you know, protein on a shelf or make it convenient. Um, and then healthy fats are hard to find. So you know, I mean, I think generally when we when we calorie count, macros counting is the same thing. We still start with a set number of calories. So we determine that through an equation called the Mifflin-St. George equation, which sounds super scientific, but you just kind of, it's a based upon age, weight, gender, and activity level. We kind of can determine the general amount of calories. And then macros counting just means we break that down into carbs, fat, and protein. So then instead of saying, I'm going to have 2000 calories today, I'm going to say, no, we're reaching for 120 grams of protein, 180 grams of carbs and, and 60 grams of fat. And, and that's how we'll break down that a little bit more. How do you uncomplicate that for the well, average? For the, or, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. It, the really wonderful thing is there are apps that basically do that for us. So um, an app I use is Chronometer and I can link that with my clients. So it's kind of cool. I can set their targets so they don't have to do any of like the dirty work there. And then instead of, you know, like, like when they put in, let's just say they track a food like their oatmeal in the morning, it automatically, up, you know, uploads how many grams of carbs, fat and protein that was. And then it gives you kind of a little graph of how close you are to meeting your targets each day. So it does make it really user-friendly for the average Joe. Yeah, because not everybody knows exactly, um, I, I would imagine most people know exactly how many grams or protein or carbs are in, you know, different foods off the top of their head. But Right. So, so, uh, going to more like helping out runners with their nutrition to meet their running goals. Uh, how would you like balance somebody out if they're trying to lose weight or maintain their weight while they have that increased uh, appetite while marathon training? You know, if somebody, we'll just use the name like, uh, let's just say Emily, for example, was trying to maintain her weight or lose it while training, marathon training. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Cause I think, I think we've all been there marathon training and you're like, Oh, I'm supposed to lose weight. Man, I've actually put on weight Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's a beast of an appetite for sure. And your body will, um, if you're, I think the main problem or the main mistake that most runners make during marathon training is that we think carbs, carbs, carbs. And I think because runners have for a long time, like, okay, that carbs are the primary source of fuel. But with, if you understand the breakdown of yes, carbs are the primary source of fuel, and, and we cannot limit carbs too much when we're training or else our body doesn't have that fuel. So that's the primary source of fuel for anyone's body. But protein is what you know, we need for our muscles. It's also a, a fuel source. And the biggest thing that, um, you know, I work with, runners and, and doing the macros is we want our bodies to become more flexibly fueled. So this means that we want our bodies at any point during that marathon to be able to have like a different fuel source to use so that when we hit that wall, 
you know, at mile 20, because our glycogen stores or our carb stores are gone, we know how to use fat for fuel and we know how to use, you know, some of these other sources for fuel. But that that's something we can go into more. I know the question was, how do we, you know, lose weight maybe during a training period or what do I do in that case? And I think it's just the understanding that if you're tracking what you eat, we set your your carbs, protein and fat, we set targets to make sure you're not like we could set them to do a slight weight loss. And, but as long as we're meeting those targets, you know, you can do that safely. You can have some weight loss while training. You just want to, um, I think the typical is we go to maybe extreme diet diets to lose weight. And and you want to be careful with any of those during training, like doing a low carb diet, because your body, your body will break down if you don't have enough carbs at the end of the day. So, or if you try and lose too much weight too quickly. Yeah, I always heard you just want to go for a small amount anytime you're trying to mm-hmm. lose weight. And people yeah, are and trying to, uh, yeah. And you want to tra- try and change your body composition most of the time. So when you're losing weight, you don't want to lose muscle mass. You know, you want to, I mean, most people don't. You want to gain muscle mass. You want to lose that fat mass. So that's exactly what the, the macros targeting or the flexible fueling helps you do. Because if we limit the items that are typically easily stored away as fat, then we can um, limit those. And then we eat the items that are typically fueling the muscles, which is protein. So then we can get that really fine balance between the two. Yeah, because I've always, I guess I've been kind of like the typical runner thinking carb up. uh, Then I'd try to get protein afterwards in order to rebuild the muscles. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's not a wrong concept at all. I mean, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. You eat the carbs because that's your fuel. And then protein is basically the recovery. You need carbs and protein to recover those muscles after a run. Um, It's just, it's just the amount typically like, oh, maybe we're overdoing it a little bit. And so that's what counting macros can help you do a little bit better. Yeah. Cause I know from personal experience, you can gain weight the same day you run 20 miles. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not uh, not as hard as you think. <laughs> well, speak on the same line, kind of. Is there some way to, or do you, what type of food would you recommend for somebody like before a race or, uh, you know, before your marathon or before a long run or after the long yeah. run and stuff? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good question. Um, before race, you or before a, long run, I mean, for any type of run, you, you typically want to turn to a carb and you don't want it to be, there's terms like simple carb or complex carb, and you do want it to be more of something that's like a complex carb. So carbs, a complex carb is one that's going to be broken down slower. So you want to especially think of these for a long run, you know, you don't want to eat something that is burned through and, you know, five minutes, and then your body's now really just kind of breaking down already from five minutes into the run. Um, you want something that maybe provides a longer fuel. And this is why also a little bit of protein in there before a run is helpful too, because that protein can be a, a source that um, isn't a, it isn't used as easily as fuel, but it can still be helpful as fuel. So um, I would suggest like, you know, it could be, it could be a, um, a bagel, but I would try and make it like a, a multi-grain bagel or not just like a white bagel. Um, if you actually want it to kind of give you a little bit longer lasting fuel and then doing it with some, um, 
peanut butter would give a little bit of protein. You always want to be careful. Don't add like a huge slab of peanut butter because fats are hard to break down when we're, we're doing um, activity and you have to test out these things as well. But um, fruit is good too. You know, easy to digest fruit, like a banana. I think that's a very typical one for runners or um, applesauce pouches, like, or applesauce is a good one because it's broken down a little bit. You want to watch out for fruits that's really high in fiber that might be a little bit hard on your stomach. Because remember, when you go run, your digestion becomes second priority. Now it's the muscles, the first priority that are, are burning and, and the digestion can kind of slow. So you want easy to digest things. Um, but yeah, choosing um, like you want to avoid like super high sugar items like if you're having a granola bar make sure you're checking the, the label for the amount of added sugar especially because some of those granola bars are like a glorified candy bar and it's just causing blood sugar to rise and crash and that can also contribute to a feeling of crashing during a run so watch out for those really sugary things as far as the uh like the during the race a lot of people are taking gels and stuff mm -hmm. Just watch the sugar. Or are you going to burn that off? I and mean, most of them mm -hmm. are probably formulated the right or could yep. substitute, I don't know, uh, gummy bears or something. Yeah. I mean, you do need those gels. So when you're taking the gels, you're not, you know, you're taking them at a point where you're, you're getting more depleted. So you do want something that's a pretty pure source of sugar. Um, and, and I would say that's what those gels are. Is there a pure source of sugar? There's a lot of them out there though. Like that's dependent on what your body can handle. I know like I just, I don't really handle some of like the gels well, but I really like the, I think is the, um, which ones did I like? They were, I'm going to forget the name of them now. I'll think of it, but um, some do use like more real sugar, like, um, or like real food. So maybe like, actually using some sort of um, dates or some sort of like dried fruit or um, just even a less refined type sugar can be more helpful um, for some people. So you have to, you can use gummy bears. I mean, I've seen people do that. Jelly beans, you know, you can use just a handful. I've heard of somebody who cooks some potatoes before like roast potatoes and puts them in their pocket and pops a piece of a potato because it's a, it's a super real source of easily digestible sugar um, or applesauce pouches, things like that. The main thing is, is you're just, I think you have to watch out for the ones with caffeine. Those are the ones I'm always recommend just be careful with because they can really on a, an empty stomach be, be hard on the stomach. So, and um, you want to watch out for, um, yeah, I mean, like flavored ones that maybe won't sit in your system very well, but yeah, you just have to test those out person to person. And then you just have to kind of use them according to what your body needs. So um, yeah, that's that's my suggestion with those gels. They are necessary. Your body really will become depleted um, at a certain point through 26 miles without some sort of um, repletion of carbs. What about post-run at what Just mm -hmm. eat everything or <laughs> generally do, but... <laughs> yeah. No, I think you should be intentional about like right after run, you know, drink, you know, electrolytes are so important. Like your body is depleted of, well, another thing that I should have mentioned is salt tends to be one of the biggest things. Like if you could have something with salt, um, in your, your gels or in any of those, um, 
that's really important. Sometimes even just thinking about salt tabs, many people who are, are really salty sweaters. And if you're at a really hot marathon, your electrolytes, it's, you need to replace those probably even more than you need the carbohydrates. Um, and then right after run, that's exactly what you should be really intentional about too. That's why, again, the bananas are usually there because of the potassium in them, but getting something salty. So if it's um, ideally not like just a, a thing of French fries, you know, but maybe, I don't know. I mean, get something with some salt, get some um, electrolytes through some of the better electrolyte type beverages. So not Gatorade, but um, what like regular Gatorade just has very low amount of electrolytes. It's mostly sugar. So they do make a Gatorade. I think it's electrolyte is what it's called. And it's much better levels of, of electrolytes. Um, or like your liquid IV element. Um, I use noon a lot. Noon. Yep. Yep. Those all have much better levels of those electrolytes. Um, things like salty nuts are great after a run because they have a lot of natural magnesium, which is an electrolyte. Also, um, if you could get in some like a granola bar, that is more wholesome based upon nuts and oats and, and some dried fruit or something. I like like lar bars or RX bars. Um, then um, trying just to get something in that, you know, pretty right away. And then over the course of the next two hours, two to three hours post race or run, you want to get in some protein for sure. So you don't want to leave your body depleted of that. So, um, but trying not to go just straight to the carbs, I think is the goal. Um, <laughs> we're, we're carb, 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 carb before carb after carb anytime. And your body needs the protein. Absolutely. You don't want to forget about that component. Yeah. Cause I, you almost have to train your stomach to handle the carbs, the goose, you know, whatever gel you're using. Uh -huh through the train. That's one thing I have. I've definitely learned that through the years. Do you have any tips on like you would, somebody was training uh, as far as getting trained on how to handle that? Or is it just practice on your runs? Or That's exactly what I would say. Practice on your runs and, you know, use those long runs, like not just, I mean, those are so important to kind of just like even, training yourself mentally, training yourself, you know, how to open a, a goo while you're running, how to, what's the pace of eating it. I mean, I know for me, I like to kind of pace myself on eating a goo, not just like taking it down all at once. How do you, do you need it with water or can you take it kind of without, I mean, ideally you want to take those with water at some point, but like I typically kind of pace it. So I'll just hold it in my hand and do like little bits of it just because I, tend to not tolerate taking it all at once. And then I just want to time it with knowing there's a water stop within, you know, that time period so I can follow it with water. But that's what I would practice on a run is do you need to, can you take it all at once or do you need to kind of um, slowly do it? And like practicing the timing of the first one too, you know, is it at mile five and like, okay, you may not feel like you need the fuel yet, but you know that that's, that's what really like even just okay i took one at mile five mile nine mile 15 mile 22 and like just is that too many or is that doable kind of like even testing yourself for how many yeah. you you need to get you through the end of the race and still feeling fueled okay and yeah, a lot of that's just practice as far as I'm uh -huh. learning how to 
handle the gels. And a lot of some coaches I've talked to, they're recommending taking a gel every 30 to 40 minutes that you're out there. So that's a lot to be taking in. Mm -hmm. And it is. I did get asked that a friend asked me to ask this. Uh, do you have any foods you'd recommend or help with a uh, decreased bone density? Oh, that would help increase the bone density if you have decreased Yeah. bone density. Yes. Actually, we're we're not, I mean, calcium and vitamin D are important, but you know what I'm telling a lot of people is this is this protein category again. So naturally every decade we lose about 10% of our lean body mass, which our lean body mass is our bone or our skeletal muscle and our muscles. So we don't realize that when we eat protein, that actually fuels our bones. I mean, it, that's, that's our bones and our muscles are being fueled by protein because it's the builder. I mean, we, we eat protein to build our bodies up. Carbs is a fuel source. It gives us this, it's gas in the, it's like putting gas in the um, gas tank, but protein, it's like fixing all the extra things on the car to keep it running for a long time. So if you don't get enough protein and I've seen this happen in some people where, you know, it's long-term effects of uh, maybe even a, like a vegetarian diet are risk for, for that low bone density. Um, but I think many Americans, again, we just all don't get enough protein. So um, getting that 30% of your, your calories of protein will help with long-term Um, that lean body mass and the bones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just keep, start eating steak every day, I guess. I was... Yeah. No, oh, that, that's a hard thing. Cause I know it's like, okay. So when I say protein, everybody thinks, yeah, like a steak Yeah. or chicken, but you know, just But looking I... at foods that are naturally, you know, what else has protein in it? Your beans, your lentils, your um, nuts, your nut butter. And then yeah, chicken, fish, beef, pork, Um, it's, it's a wide variety. I think we tend to go straight to the animal proteins. I mean, you have it through soy, you have it through dairy, cottage cheese, yogurt. Um, yeah, there's various categories. So you just have to kind of figure out how to get it in, in various sources and not just, just carbs. And then, okay, then I'm going to have a steak, you know, like it, it takes kind of integrating it in, in several different ways. And that's what tracking helps you do because it helps you understand that, you know, what has protein in it and what doesn't. So, yeah. 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 Uh, was there anything else you'd like to cover today? I'm trying to. Yeah. We've gone over There pretty good nutrition for runners. So. We did. And I guess the one thing that, I mean, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier is just the whole flexible fuel. I mean, With runners, I think we tend to eat the same way. We're very um, consistent with our eating habits. And even over the years of running, I think we can maintain the same eating habits. But kind of what I worked with Emily with is, is and myself, I've done the exact same thing and seen huge improvements. I mean, I had one of my fastest half marathons just this year, and I'm only getting older and not really doing any, not not doing much more <laughs> like training. I, I honestly hate training. Like I hate speed workouts, but we, you know, we, we do some, but I think the main thing is, is nutritionally I've, I've switched with, with flexible fueling. It's basically you teach your body to burn, you know, protein and fat as fuel. And so if there aren't carbs readily available and you're, you're not eating a diet, 80% carb, then and you're pulling back those carbs, your body going into a run 
may not have carbs as a fuel source. And so what does it do? It has to be able to burn the other fuel sources. And when you track, like train through that and you, you go on runs and you don't have those carbs necessarily available, it's really cool to see how your body creates that fuel through those other things. And I, that's where I think, especially for marathon training, you get to the marathon day. If we went through the whole training, like, like I did with Emily and we really pulled, pulled her protein up and pulled back on her carbs through most of the training. And then for a couple days before it was like three days before the race, we increased the carbs just a little bit to get those, those stores increased in our body and her body, not only was it now, um, able to use protein and fat as fuel, but it was really receptive to the carbs. Like it, it almost like they were like just used in, in a much better way. Um, if you know, when, when we kind of trained her, um, with less carbs, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of like the thought process. My friends, we'll call him Scott, but, uh, he kind of does something like that. He'll want to go into basically in the keto, which I thought might be a little extreme, but he'll want to run kind of a keto diet at early in training because he's getting ready for Toledo at the end of mm -hmm. April. Mm -hmm. And he'll, he says he's trying to lose weight and wants to go keto. And I think when he gets further into the diet or closer to the race, I and mean, he's going to start eating carbs again. And mm -hmm. So, yep. Kind of the same concept. So I guess, yes. Yeah, keto goes to more of an extreme. So keto really pulls out carbs. And I, I, I do caution with that with running because your body does need carbs and it might just, you don't want to do anything that will increase your risk for injury. If you're um, oh. running, we know that the training processes are already a bear, but everybody's body's different, you know? And so with keto, um, it's, it's similar in the way that I'm speaking of, like we, we do just protein and fat are the main fuels with keto and, um, carbs become less. And that's kind of what we're doing the same thing. And then, yeah, we just add it in, um, right before the race, your body really embraces that uses those carbs really well. And it just makes you really, um, just feel, feel good on that race day and feel good on a run where, um, you're you're able to use those carbs really well. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I get that concept. I mean, you don't sound like you would go as extreme as a, a regular keto diet, though. I'd be cautious to do that because, first of all, I hate extreme diets. And second of all, because um, <laughs> extreme diets, you go on one extreme and then you're back to the next extreme. So I like to think of with the macros tracking, it's, it's just as easy. It just it makes everything more balanced. And then what I've been able to do with many of my, my clients that I do with running, it's like, okay, well then we can go into the next phase. So post marathon, we can adjust those macros. And first of all, I don't think tracking macros all the time is what anybody should do. That's a lot of work. And I think it becomes obsessive. So after a race, I think typically it's like, let's not track for a while, but then, um, there's a, a high importance of increasing muscle mass, you know, in runners. And I think a lot of people have, I, I know I've really benefited from strength training and resistance training. Um, and during that period, that's where we, we switch those macros kind of back to L increasing the protein, decreasing the carbs, because we can see muscle gains a lot more that way. And I know runners are always afraid of that because they're like, well, I can't run well if I'm this bulky, you know, um, strong person running down the road, but you'll see like 
more and more, uh, some of the faster runners do have a lot more muscle mass and it's increasing that muscle mass. But then we go through the training phases where maybe you, you know, you start increasing your running, pulling back on the strength training, but you're still getting the benefits from increasing that, um, you know, just especially for injury prevention and everything. Yeah, that sounds, sounds good to me. I haven't cut back. Uh, I definitely believe you should try to do at least a little bit of strength training throughout your training to help uh, prevent injuries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And was there something else you wanted to bring up? I might have changed the subject. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think there was. I, I mean, like I said, I was just talking about that flexible fueling. Um, I mean, I, I think I always, it's important to hit on just for runners, like, fruits and vegetables are important, getting all of those nutrients. Um, it's just so essential for nobody wants to get to race day and be, be sick. So I think immunity is important, like having a good immune system, having a healthy gut, you know, eating the foods that are not just, you know, pounding some, um, some Twinkies after a run or, you know, the pizza, just eat, every weekend after your long run like we gotta have nutrients you gotta have vegetables um nobody wants to be ending up in the bathroom in the the marathon either so a lot of gut issues can pull us from that and if we're eating some crap food then usually that's the culprit for the gut issues more so than we like to blame like fruits and vegetables and stuff like that but usually um those are promoting good gut health. It's sometimes the other foods in our diet that aren't. So that's always something to look at too. All right. I think you've put a lot out there for uh, runners to think about or do for their nutrition on the run or around it. Um, I well, hope to uh, want to thank you for coming on. And Yeah, no problem. And thank you. And hopefully I'll see you out at some race or somewhere soon. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me. And um, we will, I'm sure we'll now at least know what you look like. So we'll be able to uh, pick each other out. No problem. All right, Bruce. Well, thanks for having me on and have a great day. All right. You too. Thank you.